You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Be here today. As some of you may have known, I met that little young lady over there, Christy, on the plane. Uh, coming back, I was coming back from Columbia, and you were coming back from Belize, yeah. And so we struck up a conversation. Matter of fact, her friend Stacy said, uh, I apologize in advance because my friend and I are going to keep you awake. <laughs> and uh, that, was, that was the case for, for a season. And then last month, I had the chance of speaking here in the building for the Christian Patriots. Was anyone here? One, two, three, four. Okay, four, great. Uh, so it, it is a privilege. And then to be asked by your pastor to come back up here today, who I've never met, just talk with him on the phone for about 15 minutes, and, and uh, I actually thought he was going to be here today. But I want to share the word. Um, and one thing I do say about the word of the Lord is that, you know, it's, it's, I'm here to encourage, I'm here to challenge, and if you don't agree with me on everything, that's Okay but I challenge you to study it for yourself. I always tell my people, I I may read scripture and I'll say, listen, go home this week and read that scripture for yourself and don't just read it, study it. Because you're responsible to take in your own food and not just be spoon fed. So that is my my attitude this morning. So I hope today I I challenge you in a way that maybe you never thought of. I've been going back and forth to South America for about 25 years. It's been a privilege um, ministering in that country and then also in several others. Uh, In 2010, I was able to go over to Nigeria with uh, Reinhard Bonnke to one of his crusades. And I didn't have a chance to preach there, but to be with him and to talk with him and to have daily devotions with him was incredible including the 500,000 that were gathering in the open field to hear the word of the Lord. And to see them uh, get saved, and if you think about this for the moment, 500,000 people getting filled with the Holy Ghost at one moment. It's a scene that I will never forget. I was standing with pastors of of congregations of 20 to 30,000 people, and they're weeping. And they're saying, I praise the Lord when I can even get one of my people filled with the Holy Ghost. And here's 500,000. And it was simply just reading Acts chapter 2 with very little explanation and just said, now be filled. And from one end of the crowd all the way across to the other, they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. And it was the most incredible sound. I have a video of it. And... uh, I, you know, maybe sometime I can send it to Christy or one of you and you can listen to it and watch it. But and on, on top of that, Jan and I, we, we pastor a church in Fort Dodge. Uh, it's uh, Spanish and English. And it started years ago with a, with a couple that came to us and, and was uh, concerned that their pastor was stealing. And so we, we challenged him, number one, don't you bring a charge against him unless there's two or three witnesses and you better be really careful of how you do it. And then second of all, forgive him. And last of all, you don't give your money to man, you give it to God, so leave it in his, his hands. And from that point, they asked, would you be our pastor? And we're speaking through a translator already. 
So the church has evolved now into about 50, 60% Spanish, English. Um, so if in my church right now, if I'm speaking in English, I have an interpreter in Spanish. If I broke off into Spanish, then they would repeat in English. And that's just the way we do it when we go on overseas mission trips. Um, and it's a privilege. We sing in both languages, preach in both languages. It's just, and the people don't want to separate, like a lot of churches today. We have the English group, and then two hours later, we'll have the Spanish group. Well, they're together, and I hope that we even have more languages come, uh, because I just praise the Lord for that. So, in October, I had the privilege of going out to Montana. I'm a hunter. I love deer hunting especially, but this was for an elk hunt. Didn't get an elk, but it was the most beautiful 10 days of my life. 25 miles into the mountains on horseback, secluded. Um, every day we'd go up, ride the horses for about five, 10 miles in the dark with the trees hitting us in the head as we're going. The horses know the way. Uh, and then we'd walk until that place and we'd stay all day. And, and then the, the guide would basically say, hey, I'm gonna be over there, but you just enjoy where you're at. And I'm telling you, for me, it was the most precious thing of being away from cell phones, technology, the everything of life. And the most important thing was me was just time alone with the Lord. And there were times, I think if anyone else saw me, they would have thought I was crazy when I'm standing on a cliff and I'm just kind of raising my hands up to heaven and, and just giving him praise even though there's no elk in sight. We saw him going in and they were bugling off in the distance. And then when we came back over the Continental Divide, we're into the game reserve and there they are all up on the hill and they're bugling saying, ha ha, we know where the line is. But like I said, it was glorious because the Lord started really speaking to me in a strong way. And one of the challenges was this. Son, preach my gospel. Now that may sound funny to you because I've been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ ever since I could. And been ordained since what, 91, so that's how long I've been proclaiming it officially, if you will. But I got to thinking about it and I started searching through the scriptures of what Jesus proclaimed and what he said and, and it dawned on me what he was telling me is that especially here in the United States, we have minimalized his message. We've made it the gospel of salvation and not the gospel of the kingdom. Now with the gospel of salvation, that's like the end game. I mean, that's, that's the conclusion, that's the finality. And yet that's just the beginning. And when we become born again, we enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we're not just sitting around, kicking back, waiting to go to heaven. We have a job to do right here on planet Earth. And every one of us, until the day of our last breath, we have something that we need to be accomplishing. And that is to expand his kingdom. So with that challenge, I mean, that's what just it brought me great research as I started looking into it and understanding it and in a greater way. And I hope this blesses you today. Because again, Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I'm washed in the blood of the lamb, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I proclaim it, I believe it, and, and, and my name is written in the lamb's book of life. So I'll proclaim that's who I am.
But with the gospel of the kingdom, when Jesus started preaching, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, if you study that, and that's what I challenge you, because to study it means you go back to the original language and you don't need to read Greek, I can't, but with the Strong's Concordance, and especially with today's computers, I can click on a word and I can find out what it means. And the word repent to begin means to change the way you're thinking. And that needs to be something that's in our being every day. We, we, we're supposed to be changed by the word and we're supposed to be changing the way we're thinking as the word has impact in our life. So repent. The kingdom of God is at hand or is at near. And it means it's close enough to touch. And yet for many people, they're always talking about Jesus' kingdom that is coming and not living in the kingdom that he's established us in right here on planet Earth. Because the day I got born again, the word says in John that I passed from death unto life. So that means I'm already living eternal life and I don't have to wait to die. I've already passed and I thank the Lord for it. And I thank the Lord for every day of life he's given me and so far this, this year, my wife and I, we celebrate 43 years together. We got married at 10, and yeah. <laughs> now we got married at 20, and, and uh, everybody thought we were crazy, but just two kids in love with a 1975 Cordoba and a black and white TV. That's all we had. And uh, yeah, God has been good all these years. So with the kingdom, the second one, Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things, all the things you worry about will be added unto you. Because if you look at that whole chapter, he's talking about all the things you worry about. How am I gonna pay my bills? What clothes am I gonna wear, et cetera, et cetera. And, and if we really have our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying, don't worry about those things. Seek my kingdom seek after my righteousness, my standards of what I mean to operate, and all the other things I'm gonna take care of for you. So with that, we say that phrase all the time, seek the kingdom first, but what is the kingdom? Have you ever stopped to think about it? What is the kingdom that I'm seeking? What am I, what's my responsibility? What do I do? Well, you see, all of us here in the United States, we live in a, what? A republic. It's quite different from a kingdom. Unless you've been in Britain or someplace like that, none of us have lived in a kingdom and don't understand the principles of a kingdom. And so if you understand that, it brings you a greater understanding of what Jesus was bringing forth, because he knew. See, on the earth, a kingdom, you have a king, you have the royal family, then you have subjects and you have slaves. But in the kingdom of heaven, it's different. You have the king and you have the royal family, you and I. As a matter of fact, the scripture says in Revelation that he's made you and I to be kings and priests unto his God. And so if we don't understand who we are in Christ Jesus, we can't operate in the fullness that he's called us to operate in. So every one of us are a king and a queen in the kingdom of heaven, and he's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. 
And that is the understanding of what you and I are supposed to be doing. Now, in Adam and Eve, when they got the garden, they were given a, a command, and it says, have dominion. Take dominion. And that dominion was over the birds, the animals, and the resources of this earth. It wasn't dominion over one another, because that's called slavery. It was dominion upon the things that we're supposed to have dominion in. Now, domain or dominion, that's also a kingdom term because a king has dominion in his kingdom. And even the earthly kings expand their kingdom. And Jesus came back to reestablish that which was lost. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's time to expand the kingdom. So if I, if I just explain it to you in this philosophy, this is my understanding. God has given me a domain, a kingdom that I have authority over, as well as brother over here. He has his kingdom. My wife has her kingdom, and ours may even overlap. But the point is, together, the kingdom is the kingdom of kingdoms, all that we have to do and accomplish for God is to expand his kingdom. And even on the earth, you can only have one king. Think of over in England, what was it, Charles that just became king over there. How long he was the prince? Had to wait for mama to die. But the only other opportunity he would have had would to be a go to another place, another territory, to where he could be king to expand the early kingdom. That's how they used to do it years ago. Well, the same way with you and I. You and I are called to expand the kingdom of heaven. And so, I want to just take you to Matthew chapter 13. All that Jesus proclaimed the whole time he was on earth is the kingdom and the teaching of the kingdom. He, he said, I'm the door, I'm the entrance, I'm the way in. And through me, no other man is gonna be into my father. I am the key for you to enter into the family, enter into the kingdom, but I want to teach you about the kingdom. And that's all he preached the whole time he was on earth was the message of his kingdom so that we could understand it. So that's really what shocked me was Wow, Lord, I've taught about everything else. I've taught about tithing. I've taught about forgiveness. I've forgot, taught about everything, but I really haven't been teaching the people of God about your kingdom and some of the principles that you have told us to establish. And so back in our home church, we spent, I don't know what it was, two months or so just going over all the parables, one right after the other in, in Matthew chapter 13. And briefly, I just want to look at the first two together, and maybe with that, just uh, expand the way you're thinking today. Because, in, you know, again, an American idea is retirement. You know, I've, I've been a contractor my whole life as well as preaching the gospel, and it's, it's a tough road. Some people say, oh, you're a part-time pastor. No, I'm a full-time. I've just got double duty. And, uh, but I've always, in my heart, that's the, only, that's the way I was taught. And I know no different way. 
I don't think I could even go to a church that says, hey, I want to give you a salary. I've, I've never had that before. I just don't know what it's like. My trust is in the Lord, and as I proclaim his gospel, he brings in jobs and provides the money. Um, so that's, and so my wife and I, we're transitioning right now. We're transitioning. Our transition is into real estate, into rental income, so that we have the rest of our life freed up to do what we're supposed to do. So for me, I'm not retiring. I'm transitioning. I'll retire when I get to heaven, and I'll sleep when I get to heaven. So last night, I think I was blessed with six hours sleep. So normally, it's four to six hours I sleep. I really do. Uh, I enjoy life, and the Lord has given me a lot to accomplish, and I think I'm only at my half stage right now for the desires that are upon my heart. So in, in chapter 13, verse 1, he talks about the parable of the sower, now today, I, I'm using the NIV version today. I, most of my memorization is from the King James and, and I, I fluctuate between about four different versions, even Spanish, and try to get the fullness of what the scripture is being brought out. And it says on that day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake and the crowds gathered around him and that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore then he told him many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered the seed, some fell upon the path, the birds came and ate it up, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Another seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still there were good seed on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And you know the crazy part of this scripture, I've heard so many people talk about this and then give their idea of what they believe it means when Jesus gives what it truly means just a little bit further down in the chapter. I'm just baffled the way sometimes People, and good godly Christian people, do not study the word and look at it further to truly get the full meaning. Because it's, it's easy to understand. I mean, I got saved at the age of 10 and all I knew was Jesus loved me. I was born in the Catholic Church, I was. You know, I was baptized, they sprinkled me and all that good stuff against my will. And, uh, and but then at the age of 10, a, a Baptist lady, she, she uh, invited my mom and I happened to go along to a, to a concert and these people were singing about Jesus and, and the, the joy on their face. As soon as the leader said, who wants to, my hand was in the air. I didn't even give him time to say, close your eyes and bow your head and all that good stuff. It was just, I want Jesus. So I interrupted him. And the exciting thing about when you come into relationship with Jesus. Two weeks later, on Christmas Eve, my dad couldn't stand it. He couldn't stand it, couldn't stand it. He called up this lady again, Mrs. Kelly, and said, come to my house, please. Whatever my son has, I want. So my first convert turned out to be my dad. And uh, Eva, that was her name, Eva Kelly, she was saying, Lord, lead me to someone that uh, will preach your gospel around the world. And 
she first got my parents and they traveled the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and then she got me and now she's got our, our kids because all of our kids can preach the word and, and they're active even back home while we're here today. And so just from that one simple prayer request, she's got a whole generation of people proclaiming the gospel. And so I thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. But anyways, if we go down just a little bit further, verse 18 says, listen to what the parable means. Anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away that was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was along the path. The seed falling on the stony ground refers to the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since it has no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it, and this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times of what was sown. And so Jesus makes it very clear that the seed is the word and the word of the kingdom, and anybody who doesn't understand it, it means nothing to them. But the one who has that right soil and understands it, again, it comes to life and enters us into the kingdom of heaven. What a wonderful thing it is. And this is what Jesus was saying. I mean, again, I've heard the preachers give some really wild stuff. Even yesterday, driving up today, I told Jan how I listened to this guy on, on uh, face, Facebook just for a few minutes. He was a doctor so-and-so of theology, and he was proclaiming that Jesus didn't come to die for our sins, but rather he was killed on a cross because the Roman Empire saw him as a threat. And I thought, good grief, and you're proclaiming the word of the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, wow. So there's a lot of that stuff out there going on, and it just baffles to me, and it, it just really bothers me. But the, the seed is that word, and the word of the kingdom, and the principles of the kingdom, and this entire book, if you look at it from Genesis to Revelation, it all deals with the principles of the kingdom. And I tell you that at times, we don't understand, but that's Okay. Jesus says, greater things you will you do when you believe. There's a lot of things I don't understand. And I won't until I get to be in glory with him. But it says, if I believe, that's when life is going to happen. That's when things are going to come to pass. You know, what intrigued Christy was the fact that I was just telling her on the mission trip how we had the blind eyes open. And that was a first for me. I mean, it was just an instant healing. God brought healing to the lady. And she's jumping up and down, and she's hugging me, and she's saying, oh, hoes, and I know that meant eyes. And what did she just say? God opened her eyes. And it was stuff like that, and it was phenomenal. And, and see, I proclaimed Jesus from the beginning that he saves, heals, delivers. It's the will of the Father. I don't have to say, Lord, if it be thy will, heal. I, I believe it. He's a healer. It's part of it. 
It's the children's right. So I proclaim it. And when I proclaimed it for years in the United States, other than God healing our family, I didn't see much. Then I went to Columbia in 1999 for the first time, preaching in a church all week long. And God healed, healed, and healed everyone in the group. It was, it was just incredible. They'd tell their friends and bring more people. And then when I came back to the United States, even my own church people thought I was crazy because I saw with my own eyes God working in the fullness of his power as his word says so. And in the United States, sometimes people come up with their theologies of why the word doesn't work when if they would simply just believe the word, it would work. So it, it, this time, with this, this last trip to Columbia was explosive for me, so much that one of the young men, he translated for me, he's like a son, and he said, uh, how are we gonna get him to believe back home? I said, you're not. You're simply gonna share with him the goodness of God, and you know in your heart what you saw, you saw what God did, now let it impact your life and, and, and change what you can change. Take care of that kingdom that God has given you and take control of it and expand it for the purpose that he's called you to, to do. So the word of the Lord, every time we read of the word, I mean, I proclaim it in prayer. Lord, your word says, I lay hands upon the sick, they will be healed. Your word says, Lord God. I proclaim it back to him. And sometimes we say the scriptures and we repeat them. I mean, you know, we repeat them, repeat them, repeat them, repeat them, but sometimes we don't really believe. We, we, we get this mental understanding of it and we can recite our favorite ones over and over again but they really haven't settled down into our heart, our subconscious, whatever you want to call it. It's not the real us that, that's where it's happening. And I challenge everyone to look at the word and have the Holy Spirit. Would you sit down? Holy Spirit, please reveal it to me today and let his re reveal his mercies that are new as every day. Let him, let him reveal a new truth to you to understand him in a better way. Because I know that even all the way around the room, every one of you has a different revelation of God that maybe the other one doesn't have. And together, that's when we come together in the unity of faith because we share with one another that revelation of who Christ is. One could say, wow, he's, he's my healer. Praise the Lord. Oh, one over here, he's my deliverer. Yes, he is. Over here, he's my provider. And, and together, as we start believing together, we, we get built up in the faith and not, we're not relying upon just that one aspect of truth. You know, it's like uh, Martin Luther when he got the revelation of salvation by faith. You know, I've had the privilege of, pre of preaching in, in Lutheran churches, and I've told them, I said, I'm probably more Lutheran than you are because I believe in salvation by faith. It's a gift from heaven, and, 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 I, and I'm running with it. I'm living it. I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling because I know that he is with me. He's walking with me. He set me up to be a, a, an overcomer, and with him there is victory, and, and, and there's nothing but victory. So let me just share that next one here that 
that speaks a lot to me because I just mentioned victory. Talks about the weeds in the kingdom. It's down in verse 24. And again, like I said, read this. This is just a quick overview. I'm just with you here one Sunday. And I don't know what the time restraints are or not, but, uh, or if there are or if not, because I can proclaim the word all day long. And usually at home, I have to kind of keep it short because I start in English and then it's Spanish. Back and forth and back and forth. And, and it's, it's fun, it's a privilege, but there are some Sundays it's like, oh Lord, what I wanted to share, I can't. I, and I can't because of, if you will, after a while you just put people to sleep. <laughs> but I will tell you, the, the, you know, like the Indians in Colombia, uh, wonderful people, wonderful people. They, they do have some technology, they do have some electricity, they have running water, but they are the indigenous people of the, the, the region, and uh, they live by faith. Uh, and, and, it's, uh, and when they come, they may walk through the mountains for miles, and even if it's rainy, they don't care. There's nothing that's gonna stop them from hearing the word. And when they get there, and you only have a 30-minute worth of scripture to give them, I mean, they're almost insulted. It's kind of like, give me more, give me more. And we've, we had services to what went, went all night long because they just wanted more of God's word as we're together. And so wouldn't it be wonderful if that stirring happens in the United States again? Huh? Like it used to be. Like it used to be from the foundation. 24, Jesus said another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So here's another seed but it's a totally different seed. It says, while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and he sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came and said, sir, didn't you sow good seeds in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he said. The servants asked, do you want us to go and, and pull them up? No, he answered, while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest, and at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. And again, Jesus explains it just a little bit longer. He explains every detail of the parable and sometimes we don't even stop to look at it. And, I, and hopefully you have. Uh, I'm not belittling you by any means, but sometimes we just overlook what Jesus said. He went on to explain it to him in, in verse 30, 37. Thank you. And explained to us the parable of the weeds in the field, and he said in verse 37, the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. How easy is that to understand? The Lord Jesus Christ himself sowing the seed. And then it says the field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. Wow, he planted us where he wants us planted. In every walk of life, I heard a couple that were, had run for office, and I pray you do it if that's still on God's heart, because he needs good people in that arena, huh? I know that's the American, the Christian patriots idea, 
is me more involved. There needs to be God's people in every aspect of life. And yet sometimes, we, we Christians, we, we've come up with this idea sometimes because it's been thrown at it, well, I can't do this in life because that's not what a good Christian does. God needs Christians in every aspect of society, and God puts us there, and we're supposed to stand out and make a difference and an influence in the kingdom. And that's why we have so many from every level today of society, especially in the politics, that have no godliness in their life and yet are somehow representing us. And I want to say it, I believe it's because the people of God just sat back and said, well, I, I shouldn't be one. Well, you're right. You shouldn't be a politician. You should be a representative of the people. So enough politics. But that's just my, my firm belief. So it goes on and says, the weeds. The weeds are the people of the evil one, the enemy, who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. And as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, it will be at the end of the age. And the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out the, of the kingdom everything that causes sin and who does evil. And they will be thrown into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And so here it shows. God is sowing. The devil is sowing. And if there's any farmers in the group, a lot of times you'll know that there are many weeds that look like wheat that are coming up together in the early stages, but then as you go into maturity, the wheat, the wheat stands out all by itself. The weeds are still there, but the wheat is strong and it's ready to be harvested. It's head and shoulders above the weeds. And that's what's being brought out here today. You know, there's a lot of Christians afraid of the devil. They are. When I teach about Satan, there'll be some that'll say, be careful, be careful, he's gonna come after you. I'm, Give me a break. My dad taught me a long time ago, Jesus knows your name and all of heaven, and hell does too. And son, be glad of that and keep proclaiming it and living it. But if you look at this parable, what it means, we may be growing side by side with the people that were sown by hell itself, but we're victorious. I don't worry about what the evil one is doing. I know I'm victorious. What God has put before me and called me to do, Satan isn't gonna take one day of my life sooner than is recorded in God's book. I mean, how many times? Come on, maybe it's come off your lips too. Oh, the devil stole him away. They took him, you know. The devil did nothing of its kind. I'm sealed with the Holy Ghost. You may not see that seal, but it's right here, you know. It's, I'm marked with the kingdom of heaven. I'm marked with the blood of Jesus Christ. And hell only has as much authority as I give hell authority. So in my kingdom, and I hope this is yours too, 
in my kingdom, there are restraints. As God has put me in charge, there are things I will not allow in my kingdom. And there are things that I want to have happen. And that's the whole principle about the binding and loosening and having the authority of heaven that you and I are supposed to have. I'm not gonna allow hell to operate in my kingdom because this is the kingdom of God and I'm expanding it for him. So in my household, growing up, my kids knew they didn't live in a democracy. They may throw out their input, but, but daddy rules because I'm the king and she's the queen. And we make the decision for the household. Boy, do you think that would change our society today if, if we'd get a hold of the family the way we're supposed to? Wow. Yeah, and so our kids, thankfully, they're grown. What's the oldest one now? She's going to be 39? Oh, I thought you were only 39. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, wow. But they're doing the same thing with their family. Yes, they love their kids. Yes, they want to please their kids. However, the restraints of the family, the restraints of the kingdom, you're going to do this, you're not going to do that. They take an authority over what they have. So we see two parables starting off as he's trying to tell us about his whole kingdom. And he continues on with the third, fourth, fifth, all the way down through all the different parables. He starts off saying with the, the word of the kingdom that goes forth produces the people of the kingdom. And now they're placed in the field of this world for the purposes of God to expand what he's gonna do. And according to the book, and I've read it all the way to the end, we are overcomers. We're not, over, we're not defeated. And if we feel defeated, then we need to get in, in fellowship with Jesus and start crying out to him and get the, 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 the kingdom authority and, and the, the spirit of victory in our souls. When people say, and even preachers proclaim, America's going to hell, it's, it's already gone over the tipping point, there's no return, forget that foolishness. I am here representing my Lord, and he's called me to be an ambassador to the United States, and therefore I have a, a chance to make a difference, and I'll proclaim what I need to proclaim, and I'll live the life of a Christian, no matter what it costs me. And America will come to Jesus Christ once again. Yeah. Now, in Colombia, it was wonderful. That's my greatest area of influence, so I, I can draw from that experience. When I first started going in 1999, the year before, there were 50 pastors that were executed in their churches um, in the city of Cali. People would come walking in the door looking like a happy little couple and all of a sudden pull out a gun and shoot down the pastor in front of the congregation. Why? Because God had a great revival going on and, and people were coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that the cartel was so upset of losing money that they started killing the pastors to intimidate. Now, what happened in the years after that was you'd be preaching a message 
Now in Colombia, you don't have windows and doors. You have it wide out to the street. And, and so when they hear an English voice coming across the PA, they're, they're kind of drawn into the church and people would get saved or want to get saved before I was even done proclaiming what I had on my heart. I mean, it was awesome. I hadn't even concluded yet. It was kind of like uh, Peter being interrupted in the book of Acts. The people would just come down the aisle and they'd be standing here. What do you want? I want Jesus. And that was so pure and it was so beautiful. I mean, every time we went, there would just be hundreds upon hundreds that would come and just get saved. But then sadly, for not being rooted in the word, not being discipled like there should have been. Then they started embracing their old customs and their old religious habits of where they came from. And before you knew it, they were as much messed up today as they were 20 years ago before they came to Jesus. And so when I go to Columbia today, I, I'm still proclaiming the word of the Lord. I'm, 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 I'm challenging the people, are you saved? And are you saved by the principles of God? Are you saved because of the washing of the, the blood of Jesus Christ and because you believe that the work was complete on Calvary? Is your name written in heaven's book? This last trip, again, wow. Half the church came forward. Whatever conviction the Holy Spirit brought upon them, they just knew in their heart they weren't saved. And it was, just, it was just awesome to see such a move of God. Now, this world has experienced moves like that all around every continent of the world except for North America. We've had our little trickles of revival, and I've been to a few of them. And I went there, and, and I, I thought, wow, this is neat. You know, we get 20,000 people gathered, and, and, uh, but the same spirit I feel here is the spirit I feel at home. You know, it came to dawn on me that my relationship with the Lord is supposed to be in a, in a sense of revival at all times, and I shouldn't have to run someplace to be revived. And if, and if I'm in need of revival, then I better just get alone with the Lord God and just cry out unto him until he pours out his spirit. Now, you see, when I was a teenager, I mean, I, I probably read through the word, oh, cover to cover, 10, 15 times by the time I was age 14. I mean, I just love reading God's word. You didn't have to make me read it. But then I got messed up because I had a pastor that, that uh, put a shotgun to his head and killed himself at age 16. And I, and I just, at that point, it was like, uh, wow, if that man had any hope, what, what is there for me? And so I went through my series of rebellion, but during that rebellion, it was still crying out, Lord, I want you. I met you, and I want you. I don't want the foolishness of man. And that's the way I worded it, very strongly and emphatical, because I've been in every type of church. I've been on the ones before you can even touch their head, they're laying on the ground. And, and, I, and you know, when the Holy Ghost does a work, it's a wonderful thing. I'm not saying that, but the, the flesh also is a crazy thing, too, when, when it's act up. So I've seen all the foolishness. And I said, I want none of that. I had the ones that, you know, they were cheating on their wives and yet they'd want to come to Sunday and, and speak in tongues and then uh, teach Sunday school and do all this stuff. And it's like, give me a break. If that's being a Christian, I don't want anything to do with it. 
So then, again, I went to college, and God directed me in that way, and that's a long story, but it was between Georgia Tech and a little college in Kansas called Heston College, and God wanted me to go to Heston College, which was a Mennonite college that I didn't even know what a Mennonite was until I had to look up in the dictionary. Oh, off the Anabaptist church. Um, so, I mean, they believe in Jesus, but in, in, uh, in a different way. That's where I met my wife. And as soon as I saw her, it was, I say, either love at first sight or lust at first sight. It just, uh, I wanted her and I pursued her until she caught me and, and we've been together ever since. And God's brought us on a, on a marvelous journey. But then again, two years into our marriage, I was miserable as hell. And I worded that strongly, it was just terrible. I wanted to kill myself. And you see, that was also something, the, the, the pastor that killed himself influenced a number of other people to kill themselves. So that spirit of hell just transferred through the, the young people, and I almost was one of them. And I don't tell a lot of people about it very often, but I did have a gun in my mouth, and, and it was only the Holy Spirit that, that, that turned my life around and stopped me. And I told him, I said, Lord, all I want is you, the genuineness of you. I don't want the foolishness. I want everything that your word says. And it was that moment that he filled me with his Holy Ghost and, and I was laughing and, and singing and speaking in other tongues and, and, and he just took away all the pain one by one by one that, that had been so held up in me. And, and, and then all of a sudden, the word of the Lord started coming alive. Just as he promises, the Holy Ghost will be our teacher. We won't even need another man except for confirmation of the word because the Holy Ghost has, has taught us. And, and, and that's what happened, the transition of my life. And, and then through all the ups and downs, I tell you what, I'm the most optimistic person there is on the planet. I, I, when I believe something God is gonna do, I mean, the, I, I just know I am victorious. I am gonna win. In Christ Jesus, there's no other way. I, I'm, I'm gonna be victorious. It may look like total defeat, but I'm not gonna look at the defeat. I'm gonna look at the victory ahead because he's already proclaimed it. And that's the way we're supposed to live. And there are times when I believe something in faith, I kind of grab my wife and I just jump off the mountain. I mean, there's no seconds there's no backup plan. And the Lord is the type that he honors faith. He honors it. When we believe his word so much, we make him number one and we have no second option. It's like my dear friends that, that come and they want me to pray for them because they're gonna go to surgery. And I say, yeah, if you're gonna have a doctor cut you open, we better be praying. <laughs> but why don't we go to the Lord first and ask him to heal you or say, Lord, bless this pill I'm about to take. Why don't you just say, and I know there's a pharmacist over here, and he knows what I mean. Why don't we just say, Lord, heal my body such that I don't need this stuff. Take that food of mine, which has very little nutrition anymore, and make it nutritious to bring life to my body. And boy, if we would believe that, we would eat whatever is before us and not worry about our nutritional supplement, right? because we believe in the Lord. So with, and I, and, I, and, I, and I tell you, 
this is my life experience. I live it, I know it. We had a gal in our church many years ago. She came to, on, a, on a, at a time, Jen and I had two churches in Eagle Grove and Fort Dodge, and we had five nights a week service. We were burning ourselves out. The people weren't getting any holier, and the same group that came from Fort Dodge wanted to be in Eagle Grove, and after a while it was enough is enough. And then we, the Eagle Grove Church is now an all-Spanish church, and we were able to help establish a church there in that, in that city. But during that time, we had this lady come on a Friday night, and she said, the doctor says I've got a kidney stone that's so big that he wants to operate on Monday morning. So we prayed as a church over her and uh, we knew the doctor which was really neat um, on Monday morning they went to operate he did an ultrasound ahead of time or CAT scan whatever it was and, and uh, all of a sudden he stopped the surgery and she went into the doctor's office and doc says what happened between Friday and today what do you mean well you have no kidney stone anymore and this was the biggest stone I've ever seen, and it's unpassable. And she said, well, I went to church and had them pray. And who's your pastor? Oh, Paul and Jan, and oh, I know them. But here was a, a, a brother, brother of the Lord, that did not, had never experienced the healing power of our Lord Jesus Christ, and through the healing of this one individual, all of a sudden, the doctor caught a revelation of a bigger Jesus than he had ever honored. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's still believing his word. Jan and I, when we go to the doctor, it's because of our annual physical. Um, I, usually, I usually get three. I got two of them backed up. Oh, my goodness. I have, a DOT, uh, I have a CDL license. I also have a private pilot's license. Like I said, I enjoy life. So I have to have physicals after physicals after physicals. And it's kind of like, doc, please do it all together, would you? But that's the only reason I go, we go to the doctor, because God is our healer. He's our source. If the doctor says this is going to be the way it is the rest of our life, sorry, doc. My Lord is a lot bigger than what you think. Our son, when he got asthma at the age of seven, give or take, doctor said in the best ability he knew how. Your son's going to suffer with this the rest of your life. And I, I just said, well, Doc, he'll be good. He'll be good. He'll use that inhaler for a little bit because you asked him to, but he's not going to have it for very long. So within, I think, the three months, the next visit, he was gone and the doctor was amazed. And so that's the Jesus that I serve and I trustfully you have that same revelation of him or at least as it's expanded in you today because there's a lot of work for you and I to do in the kingdom. A lot of influence. I mean, for me, I may have a church group, but my life is ministry. And, and I pray that every one of you sees your life as ministry. It, it's not just being a pastor and it's just not proclaiming the word that, hey, he's in ministry and I'm not. Every one of us, but I love my wife, it's a ministry unto the Father. I love my kids, my grandkids, it's a ministry unto him. When I work during the week and, 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 and show myself as an honorable man before the rest of the crowd, guess what? That's ministry unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've always said he knows my personality, 
that if, if, uh, if I was, you know, a pastor of some, in some churches that they're supposed to be in their office for 40 hours a week and deliver a, a Sunday sermon, I'd either be 400 pounds or dead. I mean, he just knows my personality. That is not me. I, I, he's called me out into the world just as he's called you into the world so that we can share our faith with others and have an impact and expand the world, expand the kingdom. When my Jesus comes back, when I get to go see him, there's a talk of us getting a crown. And then, I, then there's gonna be a time when we take that crown and we throw it at his feet because he is worthy. I want my crown ordained, or, or, or what is the word? Okay, not ordained, huh? No, no, uh, well, I want the stones of, or, ornated, they already, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, you all got the concept. <laughs> this is how we do it in Spanish sometimes. We're scrabbling for words and someone will speak up throughout the church. But I want my crown to have as many precious jewels to make it something that is worthy to throw at the feet of Jesus. And I speak that to every one of you. Maybe God's given you the calling to lead that one person to the Lord that's gonna influence generations until the coming of our king. And I'm still living as if he's coming in my lifetime. Maybe that one person like that lady I told you about, Eva Kelly, well, I got saved on December 10th, 1970, and Dad got saved on December 24th, 1970, at nine o'clock at night. Went from a drunk to a preacher. And the night he received Jesus, the alcohol went away. One-step program with the Lord. <laughs> and that's for all things, brothers and sisters, all things. One impact with the Holy Ghost, and, 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 and it's over with, it's done. If, if that's really the desire of the heart. So that's what happened. And I, I just want more of that to happen while I'm alive. And I'll proclaim the Lord Jesus as long as he allows me to go. And my birthday's coming up and my wife's birthday tomorrow. Yay! Yeah, yeah, she's the third, I'm the 29th. And, but uh, I just told her, the only thing I want for my birthday is for you to get your passport re re renewed. I'm tired of going alone on, on some of my trips and you need to go along too with me, even for some of the vacation destinations. But uh, the world has got it for every one of you. God's got something for you to do. And it's not over until your last breath. And we give him glory and we lift his name up. And if we end up in a hospital bed, guess what? We give him glory in front of all the doc doc doctors and the nurses, and we proclaim him. Our car breaks down, we proclaim it to the mechanic, and so on and so on. We just demonstrate our life. And this only happened to me one time, and I'm praying it happens again. I was working with a veterinarian when I used to uh, raised pigs back in the 80s. And the veterinarian came one day and all of a sudden he said, 
Paul, why are you so good? Well, I don't think I'm that good, but uh, I will tell you the Lord Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I, 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 I am following and trusting him. And then he went that weekend. He was in a motel, and he took out the Gideon Bible, and he read it, and he read it, and he read it, and then he read the sinner's prayer, and he called me up on Monday morning and said, man, Jesus Christ is my Lord. But that's the only time, and I pray for it to happen again. Paul, why are you such a good person? And wouldn't that be something for that to happen for you and I, that we live our life in such a way that we don't even have to say anything. We just have to live it. And they wonder why we're joyful. They wonder why we're so excited and, and full of hope and, and encouraged. Everything's falling apart. Really? Not in God's kingdom. When everybody is selling, guess what? God's telling me to buy. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Some people say, what, you're gonna be 63, Paul, and you're still thinking about more stuff? Yeah. You tired yet? You worn out? Okay, I see one head says no. I'll go for a few more minutes. God told me two years ago, start investing. Okay, investing in real estate is what he said. He didn't say wait until you have a million dollars and then start investing. He, start, he said invest for the future. From that day forward, people have been coming to me saying, Paul, are you interested in buying this house? Are you interested in buying this multiplex? Are you interested in buying this whole company? These are what's been happening the last two years. And I'd say, well, I, I, I don't have much money. I don't have, don't worry about it. We'll do a contract sale. It's yours. When God says something, it will happen and you don't have to force it to happen. This other one that just happened the other day, we just bought a, in, in uh, Humboldt, Iowa, a nursing home. It went out of business. Matter of fact, the whole chain of them went out of business. <clears throat> I mean, we're gonna remodel it into apartments. And the thing is, I didn't go looking for it. The realtor called me and says, hey Paul, you gotta look at this. I gave a ridiculously low price, about 10% on the dollar, got it. Then I went to the banker and I said, here, Mr. Banker, this is what I need. I need $2 million, I need to, no problem. No down payment, folks. Now we knew I'm also a contractor, so the construction company will be working for about a year remodeling this building, but when it's done, then it's gonna bring in resources, not only for our family, but for, our, for the kingdom. And that's just an idea. And I, and I hope that even challenges some of you to even think, you know, maybe, maybe you're saying life is over, I'm just gonna coast until Jesus comes back. Well, if that's on your heart, do it. I'll just bless it, enjoy life. But at the same time, <clears throat> if God puts a dream in your heart that hasn't come to pass, <clears throat> why don't you trust him? I, 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 got a, I got a friend of mine that's 77 and that guy will not quit. 
He's been in business for 53 years and he loves it and, and he's already making plans as if he's gonna live for the next 70 years. I mean, he's setting up his family, he's setting up all his employees. He's just, he's just living life to the fullest because he also said, I, I believe if I retired, Paul, I'll be dead tomorrow. But as long as his passion is burning in my heart and I'm called to fulfill what God has put in my heart to do, it's gonna happen and I'm gonna move forward. So again, I, I, I challenge you all. There's so much life experience in this group. And that's the greatest thing. You, know, you went to the most prestigious school, just like John the Baptist. And it's called the school of life. And God has instilled in you such that may, maybe you need to, some of you that have the word deep in you, maybe you ought to be some Sunday school teachers. Maybe you ought to be counseling. You, you that are older, whatever older is, yeah, whatever older is. You that are older are supposed to be teaching the younger. And I will tell you, the younger today don't know how to turn on anything but a microwave. They don't. I love them to death. They don't. They don't know how to do anything unless they have a cell phone. They don't. And they need the older to teach the younger just as the word of the Lord says. So there's something for you to do in life and something to do even in this church and all the other things that God has called you to do. Be the best grandma, best grandpa. So I just wanna close with this. If there's any prayer requests today that I can just join with you in prayer for, I'd be glad to do that. I don't know anybody in this group other than Christy for a few hours <laughs> and Doug I just met. But if you really don't know Jesus, wow. He's my savior, he's my friend, he's my Lord, he's my brother, he's the one who'll never leave me. If you don't know Jesus that way, today's the day for you. If you're suffering with a disease in your body or healing, you need healing touch, Jesus is the healer. He needs to be, de be delivered. That could be from drugs, that could be from depression, that could be from a downcast spirit. It could be for whatever. Jesus is the deliverer. And he's the one who gives hope. So if there be anyone that needs prayer, It'd be a privilege just to pray with you. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.